This podcast may contain some explicit language, so it may not be suitable for our little listeners under the age of 13. Welcome to episode three. I'm Selena Stamm. I'm Tony Hedstrom. And this is Chick It's Real. Today, we're going to talk, we're going to start this out with talking about age. Oh, that's always a great topic. Once upon a time, I was the youngest person in the office. Wow. <laughs> Not this office. I'm just kidding. You're still young. You're still young. <laughs> so, you know, talking about age, my latest dilemma is I think the arch of my foot is collapsing. So you're getting flat-footed? I don't know, but my foot hurts. So things are happening like that. Okay. And That's it, weird. It's, <laughs> it's like... Always one thing after another. Yeah. Um, so there's some benefits in this business to having, um, uh, what would you call that, besides experience? Um, wisdom. There you go, you're wise. I have wisdom mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. the real estate industry. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you, it, it's such a lively business and it's ever changing and the, the young people coming in you know, always have great ideas and new ways of doing things and stuff like that. So I think the key to staying young in this business is to not um, be that agent. Well, yeah, it's and and there's a stigma that goes with being an agent as to what you look like, you know, which is unfortunate. But as we get older, we look older (laughs) and we try to prevent that. And then we, you just start looking weird, like <laughs> plasticky and fake. And then nobody wants to work with you because <laughs> you're like, whoa. Yes, yes. So where's that fine line where you respect the younger de- generation? Sure. Um, you actually, you know, get involved in some of the younger generation things like the TikTok. The TikTok, yeah. <laughs> Which we had to be talked into. Yes. But now Morgan we're addicted. Laura, they... Um, they broke our cherry, I have to say, <laughs> of the TikTok cherry, and now I watch TikTok at night. I just crack up and I'm telling my husband, look at this one, look at this one. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, not being plasticky. Right. Which is kind of funny because everyone, everyone has seen the agents who still have the 1980s photos. Yeah. yeah like the, um, what was that called? Um, uh, Glamour Shots. Glamour Shots mm-hmm. with the... Furry boa. <laughs> I'm bringing that back. <laughs> hey, I'll bring back the Farrah Fawcett hair. Okay. You bring back the furry boas. Okay. Yeah, that sounds like fun. So tell us, people, if you saw that billboard, would, would you call us? <laughs> you know you would, because you'd want to say, i got to meet these ladies. <laughs> but real estate's pretty interesting, you know, because now that I am a seasoned agent, mm-hmm. um, I can remember back when things were a whole lot different. And it's funny because I can I can remember when I was a new agent hearing the stories of way back when, back then. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. Right? So um, one key as far as my real estate career that I can say kind of ages my career, and that is that I was in real estate before GPS was oh. a thing. So you had like the, the map, Rand McNally, and just out looking? No, I had a map book. Okay. Oh, we had a process. Okay. So you had a map book, yeah. which in the map book, you could turn to, you'd, you'd look up an address and tell you what page to look oh, on. Oh, okay. So my buyer staff would have to uh, do my route, yeah. just like we do now. They'd have to print each page 
they'd have to highlight turn by turn on the page and um, that was that was fun when you took clients out and drove oh. while you read the map yeah so I have a funny story about that okay there was a old retired colonel this was when I was an agent in Central Texas and <laughs> I was doing that. He was in my Jeep. Yeah. I actually had a Jeep at the time. And he was in my Jeep, and I was driving and right. reading my maps. And he's holding on to the <laughs> oh shit handle. And he, I'll never forget, he goes, Jesus, Tony, have you ever heard of those GPS things? <laughs> and he went, no. What? <laughs> I'll go that? to there and buy one. What is that? Yeah. Um, but even... <laughs> You know, and some of the stories from before my day, you know, was when there wasn't a multiple listing service. Mm -hmm. And like once a week, there was a real estate book that was published. So I read an article a long time ago when I first got into real estate about that. And I just thought to myself, oh, Lord, that'd be awful. You know? Yeah. yeah. But then at the same time, so simple. And and I, I don't know, do you have a little bit more control over that versus everything that they have access to now? It's kind of... No. Well, you know, there's everybody trying to get into the piece of the industry, right. which is just the na nature of life. Anything so, that's booming. You know, but yeah. there's a real attack nowadays on agency, not so much listing agency. So prior to buyer brokers, there were only listing brokers. Right. I mean, basically, the only way you made money in real estate was to have the listings. Mm -hmm. They'd come to your office to look at your book with mm -hmm. your listings kind of thing in right. there, right? It wasn't where you had the sharing um, that we have now, yeah. you know, where typically a seller pays the listing broker, and then that listing broker offers a portion of portion. that to a buyer mm -hmm. broker. Mm -hmm. But going back to why was buyer agency established? Well, for buyer protection, right? Yeah. I mean, you at one point there had to have been somebody that's saying, are you truly representing me? Right? That's how I would feel even back then when it was the norm. I don't even think that was a question, representation. Oh, okay. But I do think, you know, the, the whole buyer beware. Okay topic is kind of what brought that on because really you were at the mercy sure. you were at the mercy of the seller and their real estate agent mm -hmm. when you went to buy a house yeah you know and buyer beware kind of doesn't work in real estate right you know you you, you need to the, the full disclosure understanding what you're purchasing yeah. i mean it's the largest probably purchase of your life yeah so having someone who understands the industry the terminology and can negotiate for you is is important in my opinion, mm -hmm. right? And talking about that, there's some talk lately, uh, and it's kind of been going on for a couple of years. We actually had an investor; um, he's still a good friend of ours, uh, but he's moved he's moved out of the area. But he had a real issue with paying buyers agents. Yeah. Now, here's the funny part. He did. He saw great value in us as his buyer agent in the sense that we found him the investment properties. We were able to do the mm -hmm. investment analysis yeah. and we made him a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but, but on the flip side, when it was listing time to list those properties, yeah, it was a it was a tough thing to get through to him. No, he did not want to. Mm -hmm. He did not want to pay buyers agents, mm -hmm. you know, and um, his attitude is kind of becoming a popular topic. Right. So I read an article recently 
and I can't source it. I apologize because I don't remember who wrote the article. But basically, it was about um, a lawsuit that's been going on, and it's it involves uh, limited service companies, mm-hmm. um, discount listing people, and um, their their protest against the rulings of um, pocket listings with National Association yeah. of Realtors. As you know, we can't pocket list a house. Right. A pocket listing is, for example, we have a listing. We've had the photographer there, the listing agreement is signed, the price is established, everything is set, we just haven't put it on the MLS yet, right? Mm-hmm. So if we were to go out and introduce that home to our clients, mm-hmm. advertise our it sphere. on social media, mm-hmm. you know, and secure a buyer without putting it on the multiple listing service, um, that would be considered a pocket listing and we could get fined, we could lose our MLS um, rights, yeah. membership. You know, even today we have one that we should be able to pocket list. We can't. Yeah. The seller has a a young baby who has a heart condition. Mm -hmm. Um, It's really dangerous and unhealthy to let people into that home. You know, putting it on the multiple listing service and letting people in and out of that house. You know, even if you tell them to wear masks and gloves and everything else. I mean, there's still that risk. You're putting that that baby baby in danger. But... Being part of the multiple listing service, we literally are not allowed to market that mm-hmm. listing. So anyway, this company is suing NAR over that. And um, so the company that's suing NAR is a limited service company. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You know, it's a pretty, pretty. I mean, thing. years ago it happened and then I, and then it's, st- then it, then they changed the rules. Mm-hmm. What was it? A couple years ago? How mm-hmm. long ago was it? I, feel I think like it was, was actually, um, it was spring of last year, I think, April. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. It feels like a lot longer. Yeah. Hmm. Anyways, but, you know, it was good in the sense where we have a huge sphere of people. So we could help. Hey, Mr. Seller, we do have somebody. And people just got pissed off that they were, their clients were losing the houses. Well, you know, some of, the, some of what would happen back then was... Um, they would put their sign in the yard. A real estate mm-hmm. agent would put their sign in the yard, but the house would not be on the MLS. So a buyer who had a buyer's agent would call their agent and say, hey, I saw this house. Well, then the agent was kind of roadblocked. Yeah. Like there was nothing they could do. Mm-hmm. And so I get that, that making it to where that can't happen is a good thing. But yeah. before we ever put our sign in the yard, before we ever do anything, we're not soliciting other buyer agents' clients by introducing a home to our sphere first. Right. Especially in this market. So right now, the only thing um, you can really do, I mean, you can list it for a variable rate commission, Mm -hmm. which is basically, as a listing agent, telling the buyer agents that this commission is variable. For example, if I list a house and you're on my team and you bring the buyer, we can negotiate the price down a little bit, but you have to disclose that Mm -hmm. to the other agents so that they know they could be competing against that, right? Mm -hmm. But this lawsuit is basically trying to devalue buyer agency to start with, I believe, and it's also giving heed to what a lot of sellers are thinking, back to our investor, that why should they pay the entire brokerage commission? Right. Again, the seller pays the listing broker and 6%, mm-hmm. for example, it's not a set fee, but let's use that for mm-hmm. an example. And then that, that listing brokerage is going to share with the buyer brokerage a percentage, let's say 3%. Three. 
So what the sellers are saying is, why are we paying the entire 6%? We could have so much more equity if we didn't have to pay all these brokerage fees. Mm -hmm. Selling a home could be so much more affordable if we didn't have to sell, I mean, pay all these fees, right? But the idea of having a buyer responsible for their own broker fees is quite challenging. I mean, think about the buyers that we have. Yeah, I mean, it would completely change the way that real estate operates if that was the case. But there are times where some of our buyers, they barely have enough money for earnest money and uh, inspection. So let's say 1600 bucks. Yeah. You know, how are, where's the expectation now? Now, a sellers want to, you know, if it changes, then you're telling these people, okay, you're going to owe 3% plus all the other fees, which I get it where a seller is coming from. Yeah. But I, the market would completely change at that point. Well, I think a huge chunk of people out. Unfortunately, I think in that case, when buyers are trying to buy a house and they have X amount of money, Uh they're going to end up giving up the buyer agency. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then we're going to be right back to where we were decades ago before buyer agency. So, you know, okay. So it goes back to, oh, here's a hot topic. Maybe we can get lots of responses about this. The recent voting of the $15 an hour minimum Minimum wage. All right, so that conversation is a lot like the conversation we're having right now about Mm -hmm. buyer agency. Mm -hmm. Everybody thinks it's a bright idea. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, why should sellers have to pay 6%, let the buyer pay their own 3%. So what's gonna happen is if you reduce the buyer's buying power, it's gonna eventually impact the market and bring the house prices down. down. Right. So the sellers are like, cutting off their own nose to spite their face and they just don't get it. Well, it's, it's going to ultimately come back and hit their pocket anyway. But that's because everybody lives in this, we, we live in a society where it's like all this money, all this, you know, this is a great idea and this is what I want. And yeah, I want to make $15 an hour. I'm going to split the cost with the buyer. And nobody ever looks towards the future yeah. of how it's going to affect not just you, but everybody else. And that's what's annoying with this $15 an hour is that anyways, we won't get started on that. No, we can't get started on that because we really should talk about that, you know? And I think there's people in the room who, um, and I don't want to say it that way because my daughter, you know, she's in her thirties and she of course supports the $15 an hour. Sure. You know, um, I mean, there's people who support it because they need to make more money. I mean, I totally get that, you know, it's uh, the price of houses and everything else has gone up, whereas the income hasn't, it's not kept up with that. So yeah, I get that. And let me say, I don't not support it because I'm cheap, because we all know that I'm cheap. Yeah. I will gladly pay employees, our team, anyone on our team that does a good work, does a great job. Mm -hmm. I have no problem with that, but it's the expectation of, okay, now, I'm, I'm at McDonald's, let's say, flipping. Now I want $15 an hour. Well, look at our girls. How hard do our girls work, mm-hmm. right? You, you know what I mean? Well, it's, and that's just it. If they're in some kind of um, specialized field that yeah, they went to college for yeah. or something like that, do you think they're going to be satisfied with minimum wage? So what happens is, is you, if minimum wage is $15, now you have to pay them 
twenty dollars. Mm-hmm. So what happens to business owners? Oh, they go out of business because they can't, or they have one employee, or they hire their children. <laughs> I mean, like literally, <laughs> I'm like, okay, you're ten now, you can work. You know, <laughs> dang, I'm a little old to have babies. Yeah. Hmm. you can borrow mine. <laughs> you know, that's but <laughs> but it's true. I mean, and the again, what happens is is now these people are making fifteen dollars an hour, but instead of paying three fifty for a gallon of milk, now they're paying five dollars mm-hmm. for a gallon of milk. Instead of paying, you know, $15 for a hamburger meal, now they're paying $20 for it. So where did their $15 an hour go? Because now the extra that they're making is just spent. Spent. Mm -hmm. It's It's just gone. You know, so it's not as simple as people think. Oh, let's raise it to $15 an hour. It's that easy. Not necessarily. Mm -hmm. You know, let's split the brokerage fee with the buyers. And it's that easy. Not necessarily. The buyers don't have it, you know. And there, yes, lots of people have money. Lots of people do. Right. Lots of people, you know, could absorb that but think and add about, it to their closing but, costs. But, but think about the the buyers that we have worked with have now that, and they do have the money. They're not willing, for some reason, they're like, no. It, now it's customary. It, it's just kind of like an entitlement. It might be the wrong word, but... Well, the seller's always paid. Why would I pay half of that now? Mm-hmm. It, it's just the whole dynamic would change. Well, again, I think buyers would end up choosing not to have not buyer to agency, and then they would ultimately be hurt. Yeah. You know, and they'd have to go through that life lesson. Would it be five years? Well, how long would it take? Yeah. And then, um, then they would get used to paying it. Yeah. But you go back to lenders and loans. Do you know that for veterans, that would be considered a non-allowable thing? Right, I know. So they'd have to pay the veterans. It's so crazy. Veterans are not allowed to pay. So, yeah. So, you know, there's the, there's a lot of people out there that, you know, whether it's uneducated or you just don't know what you don't know, which is why we have created this podcast yeah. for Shit Gets Real is so that we can bring those topics up to our listeners and... And whether you agree with us or don't agree with us, it's it, it we're we're putting it out there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So as a seller, why would you not appreciate buyer agents? Going back to our dear friend, you know, he's like, oh, they just come in, they make everything difficult, they point out things, they, you know, they they cause trouble when they don't have to. You know, they always try to talk my price down. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's <laughs> that's I the mean, point of buyer yeah. agency. I mean, the buyer agent is. That's representing the buyer and really trying to get them the best nobody's deal. gonna like I, when i as a buyer agent i wouldn't walk through a house and be like i know it has an eight foot hole in the wall um let's just put some spackle on it let's write this up like yeah that is you're not being a good representation of a real estate agent yeah yeah as you should and and he he is a funny man the uh-huh. way he, he values the, he's he, he he um his thought process on it but you know it's one of those things where I will, you, I cannot represent somebody and not give it a hundred percent. Yeah. And if I see something that could potentially be an issue or that if I, you know, you disclose everything, I could never hold anything back, I guess. Yeah. But what if it's beyond your control? Well, that's true. What if a year from now, buyer agency is dead uh-huh. because they make it to where the, the seller only pays the listing broker. Right. And there's no longer the cooperate, co- cooperating broker agreement, and there's no longer the sharing of uh, brokerage commissions, mm-hmm. and the buyers are the ones paying for it, and they can't. And then, so we're not going to work for free. No. So you'll have all these buyers out there in the market all just 
it's going to start, it would change our process and how we, our first sit down with them. Just like our first sit down now, how we talk about upfront costs. Same thing. I don't know. I think it's the death of buyer agency. I didn't know. I agree. I Which think means do be... we go back to where, list, you know, if you have the listings, that's where you get the buyers and... Um... Yeah, but the buyers don't have representation and they just come and, you know, hey, could it happen? Maybe. Maybe. I mean, I don't, my my crystal ball is broken, but <laughs> it very well could happen. Um, now, so one thing, what, okay, so we're talking about buyers. What is your take on the, um, the buyer, exclusive buyer agreement? Well... I don't think it's worth the paper it's written mm -hmm. on. First of all, if you're an agent and you work under a broker, mm -hmm. if somebody, if you have that executed buyer broker agreement and the buyer breaks that agreement, it's not you, the agent, who can actually bring suit against them. It's your broker. And typically the broker is not going to see the value in it. And going to court, and, and I, I can't up. think of—I really can't think of one time that I've personally seen. Not just—I'm not talking about me, but other agents. Sure. You know, my sphere. Yeah. My peers. I um I can't think of one that actually won that that actually took that case. And it's funny because I'm you know on Facebook you're on all these groups of agents and throughout the country. Mm -hmm. And I get it. Every state is different, and it and it's it's fun to read these comments because. They'll say, oh, I was spent all Saturday with the buyer, and then she texts me or he texts me on Sunday and said they're working with another agent. Buyer agency, buyer agency, yeah. buy what the hell is that gonna do for you? Yeah. They didn't go under contract. You spent a whole Saturday with them. Mm -hmm. And even if you had them sign that agreement before they even got in your vehicle or you met them at the first house, what good is it? Yeah. You might as well wipe your butt with it. Yes. And, yes. and the people put so much weight into that. And I think for newer agents coming in or any agent, they give it a false sense of security. Like, well, you signed this, so therefore you're my client or you have to pay me. Mm -hmm. for, for instance, I had one uh, that, I, that I had signed and he was a referral from a past client yeah. who I value very much. Mm -hmm. um, and he backed out the day before closing. Yeah, yeah. And what, you know, that was a lot of money we lost and you and I talked about it. It was a couple years ago. Yeah. And it was like, what? There is nothing we can do. What? It would cost us thousands of dollars. Yeah. Well, if the broker was going to, you know, yeah. move forward with it, it would cost us a lot of money and a lot of time. And is that really worth it? Because since then, I've still gotten referrals from that other client. Yeah. You see what I mean? So this, for me, the scope is much larger, even though I don't like losing money. Right. But at the same time, what are you going to do? I think the only value it really has is if you do go over the three or four page document, yeah. whatever it is with a the buyer, they understand what uh -huh. a little bit more of what you're doing and what your obligations are. Sure. Um, I tell clients when they when I give it to them, because usually we in our buyer packet, mm -hmm. as you know, we give them a blank copy of the exclusive buyer broker agreement. Yep. And tell them, hey, you know, want you to read over this because ultimately you're going to have to sign it. Mm -hmm. This is you authorizing me to represent you. Yeah. So when we go to write a contract, 
I'm going to need to have this document signed, sure. right? So read through it. Um, but I don't expect you to sign it before we spend some time together right. because we have to understand if you want to work with me mm -hmm. and if I want to work with you. Sure. And we give them that opportunity to read the document and then have any questions after the fact. Yeah. So it does allow us to kind of teach about buyer agency, but then I also tell them that I'm extremely easy to fire. fire. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you just call my broker and say I'm not doing my job, he'll try to get you with another agent in the brokerage or whatever, but um, you literally can get out of a buyer uh -huh. broker agreement pretty easily, uh -huh. right? So, you know, but that fear that buyers have of being tied to one agent and being so dependent on them because they're there are agents who don't work hard. There are agents who are not competent. I mean, it's the same way in, in every industry. Yeah, and then you you um, build the trust with them. Now it is hard in a market like this when yeah. homes are flying off the flying uh, within hours, and you have your clients that expect you to like like you're just sitting there waiting for them to call and say, show me this house. And there's other factors, again, other factors that hey, come to play. That reminds me, remember that business model that we talked about doing? Which one? Like uh, Uber for real estate. Oh yeah. Where we could have real estate agents dispatched all over town, yeah. right? And we could dispatch like a taxi yeah. and be like, go over here and show me Land Lakes, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> But you know, and, and there's no loyalty in a market like this because they'll, they're they're quick to, because if, if we're at appointments, and if literally I can I can show you tonight or in a few hours I'm at an appointment now. No. But that's a little taste of what we're talking about. I know. The market today is almost a little taste of what would happen without mm -hmm. buyers agency, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, so we'd like to know what do we do? We, we adapt like and overcome. You know what what the audience thinks mm -hmm. about that. You know, the first question is, do you understand what buyer agency is right. in real estate? Secondly, you know, what is your thought on the seller paying all brokerage fees? Well, they're for it. No, <laughs> no, the seller's oh, not. I was, I was like, the buyer's all for it. <laughs> no, I got it. Um, you know, so that's that's an interesting topic that I'd like to get some feedback on and see, you know, what, right. what the market thinks. Um, and... The other thing about that um, argument was, oh geez, I think I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> She's old. Oh. On another whiskey. note, <laughs> it was the whiskey today. We are enjoying, this is really good whiskey. Yes. This is called Blind Squirrel Peanut Butter Whiskey. Gather friends and be nutty. That's not all about us, we're nutty. Yeah. So uh, for our podcast every week, the podcast starts at 9 a.m. If that tells you anything. Welcome to real estate. <laughs> um, all right, so buyer's agency, it's a tough job. Yeah. It's a ridiculed job. It's a rewarding job. Yeah, I mean, when you have your first time buyers, home buyers, you know, even seasoned ones that haven't done it for a while, let's say, or they've been they've been out of the, the real estate world for a little bit and then they buy and you do a good job and they value what you've done for them. That's a really good feeling, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So, it, and those are your clients that will forever be loyal to you. Yeah. You know, like we've always said, we always have a handful, right? Out of all the hundreds that we've sold. Mm -hmm. And so that's rewarding. And you know what's interesting about your buyers is they're your future sellers. Yeah. 
right? Mm -hmm. So you you create this relationship. Hopefully you earn their trust. You create a friendship, business uh, respect. And, you know, the average person lives in their house like three years, three to five years. We are such a mobile people, human beings. They just don't stay put. And so people move quite often. <laughs> They're not now because there's no house. Yeah. yeah. But. <laughs> well, that's why, I, side note, when we went to uh, Crystal River Home Assassin this past weekend mm-hmm. looking for some property, even the vacant lands are, go, vacant lots are like flying. The hours gone, gone, gone. Ones that have been on for 752 days. Yeah. Gone. Just, it's crazy. Where do you think it's coming from? Now, granted, I mean. It's, it's so psychological. So the inventory is low, the demand is high, but what's the demand coming from? Well, I think part, a part of it could be desperation. They're not finding a place and it's so easy to find a quarter acre. That's probably the, the smallest lot up there that you would find. Quarter acre, get a camper live in it for a couple years, live in it for a year, watch the market. Like, because it's affordable. You can buy a really nice piece of land for like $15,000 up there. Now you need sewer, you need a septic, you need some electricity. I mean, I, that's how I feel about it. I feel like for people going up there buying land and doing that, mm-hmm. it's they've been looking for a home, they've lost a few, they're done. Yeah. And they're just saying, you know what? And then in the future, we'll have this land. We're up in the area where scallop season is like on fire. Mm-hmm. And you Airbnb it, rent it out, and you will not have any issues. And you'll pay that off real quick doing it that way. Right. So There's, how much How much would it cost to put a septic and all that in? It's going to be about ten to 25000 for a septic. And, you know, we've all seen it as you're driving around, and there's this huge hump that's your septic. Mm-hmm. Remember mm-hmm. when they, back in the day they used to be below the flat? You couldn't even tell. Well, then all the issues started. So... It's funny because I have a, a past client who called me. He's a district manager for a, a large franch- franchise chain of restaurants. And that's what he's looking for. Yeah. He wants to find a little piece of land that he can put an RV on. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not happening in the greater Tampa area. Well, not here. He's got to go, he's gotta south, go north or south. He can. There's even tons of property down in the um, Everglades. That's far. It is far. But, but... Think about it. Like the way we want, what we are looking for for our family is a getaway, a couple hours away, next to the rivers, next to the water, go on your little boat. That's what we're looking for. So it's there, but not in Tampa. Mm-mm, I not in Wesley Chapel. No. My mama, there was a few, but you know, they, they're going quick. Yeah. Wow. So what do you think about... Um, so now we're getting into the, the the benefits of having a buyer agent, actually, sure, because yeah. we're talking. This is the knowledge that a buyer agent has. When a buyer agent's been in the business and they are a professional buyer agent, they understand the market, smart investments, uh, things to avoid, all those types of things. So, so the value of buyer agency, you know, it's really not about... A professional buyer agent it's really a professional agent because mm-hmm. the same things you need to know as a buyer agent you also need to know as, as a, a listing, listing agent so identifying buyer versus listing in the realm of knowledge yeah. really doesn't make any sense yeah I think it just goes into um, how how an agent works and you gather information correct information you pass it along to the buyer agent you know all these things mm-hmm. every something 
anything that can help the transaction as a whole. Yeah. Anything that, hey, your buyer might, it could be something so useless, but something that the buyer would find handy. You know, um, for instance, like when we were up looking at lots, I had, there was an agent up there and he insisted that you can build on this lot. Well, in my time, we went to a little place, had some lunch and a few drinks. I was on my phone, mm-hmm. do, 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 doing my real estate thing. Just common knowledge stuff that you would do as a buyer yeah. or an agent, right? Mm-hmm. Your agent should help, help you with that. Easily found, it's not buildable. Yeah. And you know what else we did? We went and talked to neighbors. Yeah. I mean, the neighbors were so lovely and just told us, no. And in my research, that lot had passed eight eight different owners. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a reason why. Yeah. You know what? I mean, it was right on as part of St. Martin's over in Ozello. Yeah. Beautiful piece of property. So without a buyer's agent, it's kind of like, you know, because there's things you have to pay for when you go under contract. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. you tie up your earnest money. Yep. But you'd hopefully get back, you know, credited to you. But you have to get inspections. Mm-hmm. Now, let me clarify. You don't have to do shit. Right. I mean, nobody makes you get an inspection. Mm-hmm. But if you don't, you're woohoo. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're paying for inspections. And then if you're getting a loan, they typically want you to pay for that appraisal up front. That's right. So you've got money going out. As a buyer, money's going out. Money's going out. Money's going out. Only for you to find out the hard way, even if it's in your inspection period. Whereas if you had a knowledgeable buyer agent who mm-hmm. understood the market, knew what questions to ask, yeah. knew what disclosures to seek and require, mm-hmm. of course, they can help you avoid a whole lot of heartache sure. and not throw money out the window. Right. Uh, so for, for buyer agents, I think the value lies in knowledge. Mm-hmm. So that the buyer doesn't buyer beware. Comes back to the buyer beware, right? I wanted to talk about money again. Remember our conversation earlier about the $15 per hour and the seller's not paying all the brokerage fees and how it's actually going to come back to them and hurt them in the long run? Today, you can look at FISBOs. Here's the thing. FISBOs are for sale by owner homes, right? If you look at for sale by owner homes versus real estate listed homes they sell for more listed homes sell for For more more. Mm -hmm. when something is a for sale by owner the market automatically comes in and says oh i'm gonna offer you less because there's no brokerage fees right Mm -hmm. so when agents list properties they're pretty much paying for themselves sure right because they get more for the property yeah i just wanted to make 100 percent time for that shit ain't gonna work so this week I was desperate to find my client a house and what does a desperate buyer agent do they look for old listings. yeah they go back to expire well, a long time ago expired it's not expired yesterday's because no like expired listings months. yesterday months. you know how much mail they get oh no do not be an expired Where do you listing. go? You go like six months at least? Yeah, I was looking at last year and I was looking at canceled, um, unconditional Those canceled. Those are the ones I like. You know, <clears throat> and so I actually did find this house and ironically on this listing and the showing instructions, the instructions were to contact the seller directly to okay. schedule your showing. Well, so was even lucky. though even though the, the house was um, canceled, unconditional, mm-hmm. 
it had the seller's contact information right there. How easy mm -hmm. was that? So I texted her. No, that was her. a good one. And I said, hey, I showed your house last year, <laughs> which was a couple months ago. <laughs> and, uh, you know, my buyer's still interested. Would you consider an offer? And she said, yeah, you know, I would consider an offer. And I respectfully asked, would you like me to deal with you or your prior agent? Right. And she said, oh, you could deal with my prior agents. That's fine. Do you have his contact information? And I said, yes, it's here on the thing. Turns out the prior agent was her father. Oh, that's nice. Okay. <laughs> so that worked out. Yeah. Um, but the house was listed for $449 when I had taken my client to see it. Mm -hmm. And the house was uh, unique in a couple different ways. On the good side, it's in one of the most sought after school districts in Tampa. Yeah. Um, on the bad side, it has multifamily next door and across the street. Okay. And it's one block away from a busy road. Okay. So it's this cute single family house, but it's got all this, what, 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 you know, probably has homeowners in it now, but would potentially become rental properties. Sure. You know, the townhomes, right? And that's going to impact the value of that house. Mm -hmm. So anyway, list price was $449 when we saw it. We were going to offer a respectable offer. I called the agent who happened to be the father and he said, you know, we took the house off the market because of the holidays and, um, you know, they were thinking about putting it back on, but they were going to put it back on for 475 And you said, that shit ain't going to work. <laughs> Come on, dude. First of all, all the houses that my client looked at, I have to give you this backstory. My client needed to put her home search on hold. Mm -hmm. That's all you need to know. Yep. The home search was on hold. When she put the home search on hold, there were probably four or five houses that she really liked. Of course, they're all gone. Sure. They're all sold, except that one, because of where it's located. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a real, dis it's a real um, disadvantage for that home, because it's a beautiful house. It's been totally remodeled. It's a lovely house, but it's next so to So where was his justification in trying to raise it then? Oh, he was an appraiser. Oh, and he knew boy. how much the house was worth. Okay. And he knew, he had friends who knew, and he knew, but he was in commercial, but that didn't mean he didn't know, oh. which is a whole nother topic. Yeah. Um, so I said, you know what? After that shit ain't gonna work. It's like, boy, that's gonna put a really bad taste in this buyer's mouth. That's right. They saw the house at 449. They're coming to you with a respectable offer. They're already pre-underwritten. They're not asking for any closing, yeah. any warranties, anything. And you're going to come back and try to tell them you want 475. I said, I'll tell you what, you can try it. I could be wrong. Maybe you'd sell it for 475, but I doubt it. Yeah. But in the time you make, you try that, my, my buyer will be somewhere else. Sure. So we actually negotiated a price that was less than the original 449. Okay. And there you are. But that's just it. You know, you can't, you, as a listing agent and a dad, in this case, yeah. you want to get the most money for your seller. And yeah. in this case, it was his daughter, right? Right. But you can push it too far. And buyer agents aren't stupid. Buyers aren't stupid. No, well, I had that one that the dad, I was a listing agent, and the dad was the buyer agent for his daughter who was mm -hmm. young. And he just, he only did investment properties in another area. And he kept trying to, you know, ask for all these things. And I just said, that shit ain't going to work. Yeah. And it, it closed, but he tried. Yeah. And he's like, oh, you have to see where I'm coming from. It's my daughter. And I'm like, I mean, I don't really care. Yeah. You can't care. So, it's not your job to care. All right. Well, I think we have talked a lot this morning. And um, join us next week for 
Shit Gets Real yeah. with Tony and Selena. Yeah. So don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. We're fat girls dance. <laughs> Sometimes. We're getting better. See you next Tuesday!